1: Sunday night here in the city. Steve Thompson in for Jerilyn Steele tonight. Jerilyn uh, will be back next week. Jonathan Lowe is the producer on the program. And coming up, before we say goodnight, we'll have a rundown of all the football scores. It is a final in Green Bay. Uh, the Packers beat the Bears 27-10. to uh, Green Bay now 1-1. and The Bears fall to 1-1. and Vikes will be in Philly to play the Eagles tomorrow night. Twins won earlier in the day. Uh, three zero Once again, all the scores before we say goodbye uh, tonight at 11 o'clock. Pleased to be joined by Mike Wall on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, Mike is a senior space writer with Space.com. Mike, it's been a while. I hope you're doing well.
0: Yep, yep, having a good Sunday. How are you?
1: Yeah, very good Sunday. You know, it was one of those... Uh, Cloudy, cooler days here. I was able to get a lot of yard work done, and then uh, the sun came out, and it was a lovely late afternoon and early evening here in the Twin Cities. And, uh, uh, so, very very good Sunday indeed. Hope, hopefully, all is well with you all. West, uh, Mike, let, let's get an update on on what's going on with Artemis One, uh, that that gigantic NASA rocket that's been on the pad. They've been ready to launch, but they've had problems. They've had leaks, etc. Uh, Will this thing fly before the end of the month?
0: Uh, they're they're certainly hoping so. It's it's they're they're working toward. Toward like a September 27th launch date, um, they've got a big sort of test that's that, that's coming up this like this Wednesday. Um, they like had that like hydrogen fuel leak as, as you were just mentioning um, when they, they had two previous launch attempts and they were both kind of they were both kind of scuttled by glitches. One of those glitches was a hydrogen leak. Um, it's one of the fuels that the, that the giant moon rocket uses: liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen. And as they were pumping in like the liquid oxygen and the liquid hydrogen during like one of the launch attempts in, in early September, they like noticed there was hydrogen leaking. And so they, um, they did down from that day's attempt and they went, they, they, they like they kind of replaced one of the seals where they found the leak. And now they have to see if that fix actually took. So on Wednesday, they're, they're going to do another fueling test and see if it's leaking again. And if it's not, if, if it holds, then they'll probably try to actually go ahead with the September 27th launch attempt. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, and, and Mike, and all the reading I, I've done, hydrogen is effective. We've all seen images of the Hindenburg in New Jersey all those years ago. Uh, hydrogen is, is an effective fuel, if you will, coupled with oxygen. But it's a very small molecule. And, for instance, SpaceX, they use, what, kerosene and liquid oxygen as propellant. Uh, Keeping hydrogen bottled up isn't easy, is it?
0: No, it is. it, It is a very small molecule. Like, as you mentioned, I mean, hydrogen is the, yeah, it's the simplest element. You know, it's just one, it's like one proton and one neutron. And, like, liquid hydrogen is just H2. So it's two hydrogen atoms very very small so the tiniest little leak it can get out um and yeah it is a tricky fuel to work with for that reason it is extremely energy intense like it is very efficient so it's a very powerful fuel for a rocket but um yeah it's tricky to to like work with um but it's sort of nasa kind of had its hands tied here they they couldn't really choose what fuels to use for this moon rocket they were dictated by congress and 2010 or thereabouts, that they had to build this new moon rocket based on old space shuttle technology and parts. And so this, these, like the first stage engines uh, that, that are on the Artemis one moon rocket, they're actually space shuttle main engines. And th- these are the fuels that the space shuttle used, hydrogen and oxygen. So it is tricky, um, but NASA was told to use old space shuttle parts and tech. To build the space launch system, this new rocket. So they're doing—they're sort of doing like the best that they can with those instructions.
1: Yeah, and then uh, the solid rocket boosters—the configuration in—and those solid rocket boosters, those I've heard described as firecrackers. That once you light them, they're going to burn through their fuel. It's not like you can shut them down. Once once you light those solid rocket boosters, that's it.
0: They are extremely powerful too. Yeah. They they like provide a lot of the thrust that 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 will happen when, when this thing actually lights up. And yeah, they're very powerful, but it is one of those things. Like once you light them, yeah, there's no going back. They they will burn. Um so it's just it's a reminder, you know, this is this is a test flight, you know, everybody needs to keep in mind it's not shocking that we're having like launch scrubs and leaks and various glitches like this is the first new rocket nasa has built since the space shuttle basically and it's a big one it's very important to them it's very expensive it's very complicated so it's really not a surprise that we're seeing some glitches you you tend to see those when a new rocket is built and tested um so yeah nasa is kind of working its way through it and it's kind of it's yeah, it's not like a disaster that we that we're like a month behind when they originally tried to launch. It's pretty much par for the course with the new rocket.
1: Uh, Mike Wald joining us from Space dot com on the John Schuster Bank Banker Hotline tonight, and it, it it brings up the point of and and the, there are critics of this because it has been very expensive. There have been a lot of delays. The, this latest delay getting it to the pad, finding leaks, bringing it back to the vehicle assembly building, etc. cetera. But, but the program itself has, has been really expensive. And, and there are some concerns that with the technology and with the expense, um, is, is there a big-time, long-term future for, for this particular configuration and ultimately this technology?
0: yeah that's that remains to be seen. And yeah, like I was saying, you know it's not a it's not a huge surprise that we've had like a month of, of of like glitches when it's on the pad, but the past decade of development has been very difficult, and there have been delays and cost overruns and all that. So that is a real issue of how expensive this rocket is. Basically, it's costing about four like about four billion dollars for every launch that they anticipate doing over the next five years or so if you kind of amortize the development costs and everything. Um, so it is and that's way, way more than we thought it was gonna be when this thing started. And and there are there are criticisms of that obviously and then there's criticisms about how how long this thing is actually going to fly. Because you know we like we've talked about SpaceX quite a bit on our in our previous discussions and SpaceX comes up here too. SpaceX is building a giant Mars rocket called Starship. And actually, NASA is going to rely on Starship to to land astronauts on the moon during the Artemis program. Um, They've already they've they've signed. Yeah, they've signed a contract with SpaceX to use Starship on the first Artemis moon landing with people, which is going to be 2025 or 2026. So there are a lot of people in the space community who think if Starship works as planned, then you're not going to need the space launch system. You're going to have Starship already, which is going to be more powerful and the most powerful rocket ever built, if it all works. So you're you're not going to have a need for this new big new NASA rocket that they spent like a decade and like 90 billion dollars or whatever it, it ends up being developing. So yeah, that's that's a valid criticism. Um, NASA would say we built the rocket as we were instructed, and they probably would also say. It's great to have two giant, very powerful rockets that can do things and launch things to deep space, to Mars and beyond. It's a good problem to have. It's just it's it's a question of kind of how we got here and how expensive it was and how long it took to get here that I think bothers some people.
1: Yeah, and speaking of SpaceX, is there there any news? I, I guess uh, that they're working uh, down in Texas on. Trying to do this first orbital launch of the super heavy booster, and then Starship itself—the actual uh, vehicle that will go into space and orbit Earth and and land near Hawaii, if all goes well. Uh, but once again, it, it's not easy to build these big rockets. It's, I mean, it's it, it it's it's not easy. They they make Falcon Nine look easy, but uh, this is. Uh, quite a bit bigger than that.
0: Yeah, it's a lot bigger, and it like and it's using a different engine. You know, SpaceX built built an entirely new engine for Starship. It's it, it's it's a more powerful engine that actually burns a little different fuel than the Falcon 9 does. So not only are are they developing a, like a new big rocket and the spacecraft that goes on top of it for Starship, but they're also they're also testing new engines at the same time. And there's a lot of them on Starship, you know, there's 33 of these new Raptor engines on the super heavy booster and six on the Starship spacecraft that sits on top of it during launch. So that's like I mean, every launch has got a, is it's like it involves 39 engines <laughs> that have to right. all work well. And um, yeah, so it it is a big deal, and we shouldn't be shocked if the Starship orbital test flight doesn't work, because you know that's it's a new vehicle too, and it's very complex. But yeah, they are they are working toward that. They've been doing a lot of testing in the past couple weeks in South Texas at the site where where they build and 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 sort of develop Starship and where the orbital test flight is going to launch. And they've been gradually building up to more and to kind of more complex static fires. That's basically where where you light up like a few engines on the launch pad while the vehicle stays kind of kind of anchored down just to make sure that the engines fire as planned and all that they've they've only fired a few engines at a time um on super heavy so i would imagine that it will take them a little while to work their way up to like a full 33 engine test fire but they they're probably going to try to do that in the next few months and, and maybe we'll see the their test flight before the end of the year i mean like i don't know we'll just have to wait and see
1: yeah, it, it is extraordinary. Meanwhile, the the business of Falcon Nine, um, the the workhorse uh, for SpaceX, and really the the most dominant uh, affordable launch system anywhere in the world right now, uh, continues to go about its business. It, it really is extraordinary, and we've we've talked about this in the past. Uh, Mike is. The the fact that they've been able to master the reusability of these rockets, I I saw you did a piece that there was uh, a rocket scheduled to launch that that was uh, the f- the first stage was going to go up for the fourteenth time.
0: Yeah, it is really we're we're getting a little bit blasé about it, but it's remarkable. Like they are flying, there are multiple kind of Falcon Nine first stages, the the most powerful stage that's got the nine engines and does most of the heavy lifting there are falcon 9 first stages there are multiple ones that have flown 13 times now there's one that's flown 14 times it's just this is stuff that we would not have thought possible 10 15 years ago and now it's pretty routine and just like i don't know rocket landings landings at sea on drone ships like the stuff is just happening all the time now you know spacex has launched more than 40 times already in 2022 with the falcon nine it's just become kind of ridiculous how how good they are at this and how quickly they can turn things around Um, so yeah we kind of take them for granted a little bit and we 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 probably are are raising our expectations a little bit based on the Falcon 9 about what Starship's going to do we shouldn't expect Starship to be As smooth and as perfect lately as, as, as Falcon nine has been lately, you know, we, we, we should remind ourselves that it's a brand new vehicle and it's very complicated and we should expect a few hiccups, but yeah, Falcon nine is setting the bar extremely high for the rest of the world. That's, that's for sure.
1: And then finally, they're building their Starlink low level, uh, satellite network, if you will, uh, to provide internet service. And they, they, the, the goal is global internet service and they're, they're really starting to deliver on that promise. Aren't they Mike?
0: Yeah, they, they, they've got, they've got users all over the, the world. Um, they've already launched about 3,300 Starlink satellites, which is just crazy. It's by far the, the biggest satellite constellation ever, like ever lofted as that's ever been assembled, but it's going to get bigger. Um, and it's going to get, I mean, they've, they've got permission to launch up to 12,000 of these things, and they could launch another 30,000 on top of that, which is just really crazy, and it makes a lot of people nervous with the space traffic control, the worry about space junk, and from astronomers, you hear astronomers get pretty upset about this just because of the impact that it has on the night sky for them and for casual observers, and it's 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 a complicated thing, and it, it involves a lot of people, um, and if we see... Satellite constellation with like forty thousand satellites. Um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna involve a lot of conversations between a lot of different stakeholders about who owns the night sky, who has permission, who has the right to kind of to to affect the night sky yep. for everybody. Yeah, it's 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 pretty complicated, and we're we're rapidly coming up on on these sorts of conversations. People are already having them.
1: Yeah, and then beyond that, when competitors want to get into the game as well and launch their own constellations, but uh, the, the, the technology is very interesting and is, is available now. You, you can go to the website and and see if uh, your area is being served, and uh, I, I've talked to a couple of people that, that have it who live outside of typical areas that would be served by high speed internet, and they seem to be pretty happy with it so far, so very yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And they're 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 using it on planes and on boats and in the open ocean now. It's it's beaming down and, and actually SpaceX announced a plan last month to use Starlink satellites to beam connectivity directly to cell phones. That'll come with the next iteration of the Starlink satellite, which will be a lot bigger and more powerful. But in twenty twenty three they're gonna start kind of like direct to handset service with Starlink, which is gonna be that's going to be a big business for them, I think, is what, they're, is, is what they're thinking going forward.
1: Yeah, I think they partnered with T-Mobile on that. Yep. If, yep, if memory if, serves. Uh, yep. Yeah, they, yep. They're, they're teaming up with them. Well, Mike, always good to visit with you. Uh, we certainly do appreciate uh, your work at space.com and and, uh, and your time. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yep. Sure thing. Always good to talk to you,
1: Steve. Alright, there he is, Mike Wall, space.com. And uh, always a lot of cool things going on. Um, I, I've always been interested in this stuff. E- ever since I was a little boy, and was over at my grandma and grandpa's house on Maryland Avenue in St. Paul when uh, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. That's that's really my first big memory of a major news event. Uh, that that July in nineteen sixty nine. Quick break, we've got much more coming up. Steven for Gerilyn here at News Talk. E three O W C C O. Steven for Gerilyn. it is Steel Talking here on a Sunday night. Jonathan Lowe is our producer. And Jonathan, I I don't know if that stuff interests you, the space and the space exploration and all of that. I, I've just always been fascinated by it and you know, it, it, for instance, the ability for the engineers and the scientists to collaborate and build something here on Earth, launch it to Mars, land it on Mars, and have that instrument travel around Mars and send data back, the rovers, for instance, it it it's so difficult and so hard for me to comprehend, but it's real. And I... I that that stuff just blows my mind to think that when I was a five year old kid on Maryland Avenue in Saint Paul and that that's when it really struck me. And and I've thought about it all the time ever since. You know, these, these guys got on a gigantic rocket down in Florida and flew to the moon and got around and walked around on the moon and got back and and flew back to Earth and landed safely, and we're able to tell... I mean, you think about that. Even today, it's still mind-boggling. Well, I mean, the fact that we haven't built colonies on the moon, we haven't been able to get to Mars, we haven't been able to get to other planets or other galaxies at this point. I know it's only been... Only "quote unquote" been fifty years, but fifty years, fifty plus years, is a long time in a human's lifespan. Yes, yeah. that that ain't that ain't five months from now. So the fact yeah, and that I, and I think and I and I think politics got involved in in the fact that they had accomplished so much, for instance, in in sending human beings to the moon and back, that the expense became a deal breaker. And, and there were a lot of other things that say, hey, you know, we should be spending that money here. And and that argument continues to this day. You know, that, that Elon Musk takes a lot of criticism for, you know, couldn't that money be better spent solving problems here on Earth? And, and I do understand that. And should we be spending all the money, uh, for instance, it took to build the Webb Telescope, that infrared telescope that sits a million miles away from Earth and are generating all these images, or all the money spent on Hubble, or all the money spent on the probes to Mars. But if you think about just the engineering it takes to pull that off, it's just mind-boggling to me. It, it, it just is the absolute cutting edge, in my opinion, of human achievement. I, I, vaccines are in that category for me and other technologies. But when you think about building something here on Earth and you can look into a telescope and see Mars and in the night sky occasionally you can see Mars with the naked eye, the red planet. But to actually launch something from here and get it to there and get it safely to the surface and then have the ability to be able to transmit that data back to Earth, wow, that's... And that makes you think what we can accomplish here, and and if we put our minds to it, the problems we could solve right here on on planet Earth. Um, it, it's still it, what it, what I'm saying is it gives me a lot of hope that that if we collectively put our minds to something, you know, the the sky the limit, so to speak pretty impressive. I I like your optimism. Do yeah. I necessarily share it? Yeah, a little. A little. I, but I like I, it. I I am yeah. a fan. Yeah, it 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 really is always fascinated me. So hopefully uh, folks share that fascination from time to time because uh, filling in for Henry, I'll sneak in a space guest. Uh, I I've got a few different people that I talk to and uh, ho- hopefully you enjoyed what Mike brought to the table. Podcasts.